From Impact Alpha, this is Returns on Investment, a show about impact investing. I'm Brian Walsh, head of impact for the fintech company LiquidNet. Today on the show, we're continuing our special series, Institutional Shift. We're looking at the world's largest pools of capital, pension and sovereign wealth funds, endowments, and insurance companies. Our guide through this landscape is Dave Chen, CEO of Equilibrium Capital. Dave joins David Bank, Impact Alpha's editor and CEO, to follow the money as institutional investors tilt toward impact. Let's jump right into their conversation. I'm here with Dave Chen, the founder and principal CEO, I think, of Equilibrium Capital. I'm in Dave's new San Francisco offices, which I've never been to before today. So, hey, Dave, how are you? Just great. Happy New Year. Thank you. Uh, nice digs you got here. Well, you know, I think we, uh, for anyone who uh, knows our old office in San Francisco, I think the thing that we miss the most is the, uh, the deck and the exposed brick, and uh, you accurately pointed out, I think we've gone corporate. Those were the, those were the good, those have become the good old days now, yeah, they were. in the early days. But um, uh, Dave, we've been doing this uh, institutional shift series on the podcast here, coming back to you every so often, sometimes with guests, sometimes just you and I chatting about how the big pools of money uh, and the sort of what we sometimes call super tankers of finance are shifting. You in, at Equilibrium deal with these guys every day in through various strategies that you that you that you have and so you have a good view on some the thinking of these uh, titans of finance as it were. And uh, you and I have been chatting and you're quite excited about 2019 so I don't know give us your you want to give us your predictions? If they don't have to be predictions, they can be forecasts. You can call them yeah. whatever you want. But what are you seeing ahead this year? I think everybody needs a list to start <laughs> the year off with. I think right at the top is is that um, climate change uh, is going to take hold this year in the capital markets. And in some ways, the early 2000s with Al Gore and Inconvenient Truth was in some ways almost a sugar high. It got people excited, but it didn't last long. And I think it was very impactful, but it wasn't an emotional, lasting, infrastructure-changing uh, uh, momentum. And, and this year, in 2019, uh, between the two big reports that have come out, the UN and the interagency report from the U.S. Uh, government, uh, and from a number of other institutions that have really, in some ways, independently uh, picked up on it, um, we see that, that this year is going to be, I, I believe this year we're going to see uh, the institutionalization of, of climate change in all sorts of investment products. Uh, we're going to see the water pick up, electrification, renewable energy and fuels will continue their growth, ag, land use, uh, you're starting to see for the first time uh, significant momentum in Southeast Asia around the burning of the rainforests. Let me just stop you because yeah. I, because we've been trying to track this for yeah. a while, and clearly, as you say, the reports last year, you know, sort of uh, put a exclamation point on the urgency of the problem. But right. but the numbers around investment yep. tracked in various ways have not actually been kicking up in the way that I think people thought of it, you know, back in the Paris Climate Accord days or what have you. So that by by twenty eighteen, by twenty nineteen, certainly by twenty twenty, there was supposed to have been uh, exponential ramp up of capital. And I think by the numbers that the I think the Climate Policy Initiative put out in December, you know, yeah, we're at about half a trillion a year, mm-hmm. but we need to be at about three trillion a year. Mm-hmm. So, yes, it's going up finally. It was flat for actually a few years, sure. but it's going up finally. But it's not going up in the exponential way. 
Now, is that a lagging indicator in some way, and then there's something else happening under the, you know, behind the scenes? I, I, I don't think it's a lagging indicator. I think it's also a classification issue, and uh, you're going to see it happening in, I, I think one of the things we're going to start seeing this year is significant risk premiums being put on, for example, insurance. I don't think that gets covered in any of the numbers. I don't believe that uh, Danone's uh, bond that they issued last year or Olam's bond, these are two corporate bonds that were issued uh, uh, that pegged to their environmental and social uh, governance performance uh, are the kind of things that are being covered, but those are the kinds of things that are now starting to roll through. So it doesn't come through in like a fun, in a classic kind of fund investing in project way. It comes through in a how corporations and others make I, operational decisions day to day. I think that's exactly what's happening. We're seeing the operationalization of climate risk, all right? And it's going to show up in all sorts of ways that aren't traditionally covered by the impact industry. And so risk is both uh, portfolio risk and then there's asset risk. Asset risk. And asset risks are inside of corporations, inside of governments, inside of insurance portfolios. And so the idea of climate risk is going to ripple through uh, the broad definition of the the capital markets and the risk markets. So this is obviously, as you mentioned, insurance is sort of always the leader, leading underwriter of these kind of risks, and yep. they, they see it every day in the and, and this claims a, and premiums. This isn't new. I mean, they, they started uh, trumpeting this stuff in the year 2000, but it's taken that amount of time, I think, now to actually start seeing it. And and um, and I think this is the year that we're going to actually start seeing it. And and we're, we're seeing that. And so why, why this year then? Drought, fire, temperatures, can't be ignored. Can't be ignored, and that's now a quantifiable risk. That means money and asset values at stake. I, I think the second major trend that, that we're going to see is the big players are coming in, and you're going to see a whole bunch of funds that are going to get created or launched this year under the banner of sustainable infrastructure. Uh, and that word infrastructure, and these are going to all be billion, two billion dollar size funds. You're going to see them coming out of places like Aries, Blackstone, a firm that no one in the impact circle has ever heard of called Harrison Street. You know, 15, 16 billion dollars of AUM. Uh, last year, they AUM assets under management, just for our three letter acronym challenged listeners. Last year, they quietly launched an institutional fund called the Sustainable Infrastructure Fund, a SIF. And you're going to see a ton of those coming out. So tell us just how a sustainable infrastructure fund, small letters, not, not theirs particularly, how, what's the structure of that fund? What is it, who does it raise from? Who does it, what does it invest in? What are the returns? What are we talking about? The, the returns are going to be infrastructure-like, so high single digits. Uh, it's about uh, long-lived assets uh, that produce, and, and, and we don't have to think too hard. That's the whole problem, is that the sector tends to overthink itself. W what's sustainable infrastructure? Uh, renewable energy, water plants and facilities, uh, upgrading universities, uh, energy facilities, upgrading hospitals, energy facilities. And the, and the cash flows, as, you, as, you've, as you've taught me for years, the cash flows... Rental income. Mm -hmm. Just all different forms of rental income. Uh, you know, speaking for ourselves, you know, our infrastructure, sustainable infrastructure at Equilibrium is our wastewater and energy funds. And uh, we're doing things as um, boring and, and, and esoteric as 
California's got a, you know, the, the walnut industry in California has a huge pile of walnut shells, right? And uh, you got to do something with them. And so we convert that into energy. And we did a story uh, late last year, and you guys had uh, worked with a county in Arizona yeah. or a district in Arizona to float a tax-exempt municipal bond yes. for a biodigester for dairy farm waste, as I recall. Correct. Um, producing methane and renewable natural gas um, sold into a pipeline like, so, a, like, like as if there was a, a natural gas well there. Exactly. It's a, it's a proxy for a natural gas well. And, uh, and it's what's important is we leveraged the uh, municipal bond infrastructure. Uh, we met the needs of the municipal bond criteria. Look, it was six months in preparation, but the actual fundraise for 60 some million dollars is 30 days, all right? Because that's a standard bond raising, right? So this is sustainable green infrastructure, infrastructure. being replicated in oh. every, County, every city, every farm farm area, um, using all kinds of inputs, as you said, walnut shells to dairy dairy waste, and uh, but it's also simple things like uh, electric efficiency, water treatment facilities. Uh, uh, this follows in the footsteps of the pioneering work done by Washington D.C.'s uh, water utility, D.C. Water in natural systems-based uh, uh, water treatment and cleaning. This, is, all, this is all these all these things about swales and whatnot that absorb the rainwater so yeah. it doesn't go into the, to the, to the to, it doesn't overload the sewage treatment plant and that sort of yeah. thing, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, then, and then you have variations of this theme done by uh, folks like Blue Forest who are introducing, uh, uh, in effect, infrastructure bonds around the environment, in this case, fire prevention. So, so this nomenclature of infrastructure is going to become uh, uh, increasingly and just, significant. Just pausing on that for one second. So some of these are private projects and some of them are public projects. And does that... It doesn't matter. Does that matter? Why, why does it matter? How, how, how investors can get in, I suppose. or what no, but, the, but the whole point is we're trying to give investors all sorts of, quote unquote, known safe avenues to deploy capital. And why are we talking about this? make a difference in the world and address these issues of climate and of our natural resources, right? Great. So the fact that, 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 that DC Water uh, 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 both contributes in their project to energy consumption, water treatment, and sewage treatment is one of the largest, and pumping water around is one of the largest users of electricity in almost every geography. Uh, if they can be more efficient doing that using natural systems, if they can actually do a better job of doing that, if they can be more sustainable without using chemicals and things like that. And if it's a much more sustainable, also naturally, uh, uh, environmentally supportive, if not enhancing, well then these are all things that, that make a difference. And the, and the thing that's important is these are projects that, uh, that contribute to this multi-trillion dollar number that everyone floats around about climate action. And the fact that it's a municipal offering as opposed to an electric flashlight or a solar powered flashlight, people don't really, you know, they've got to put a perspective around this, that, that, that if we have these kinds of problems that we're talking about with climate, uh, it's going to take all these solutions. And I think 2019, we're going to see a huge growth in the launch of, as I said, um, sustainable infrastructure funds from traditional players that are going to be launching funds that are in the multi-billion dollar uh, size. And let's just, let's just take, again, take a pause on that because if you have funds that big, then they can take checks of the size that the institutional investors, the pension funds, sovereign wealth funds, 
like to write. Therefore, that opens up sources of capital for that kind of infrastructure that is not available if in the small boutique pilot phase. Absolutely. So we can get checks of, of half, a, half a billion dollars from a, from and, a big and, pension fund or what have you. And remember, uh, infrastructure funds do not have double-digit expectations. So we're not talking tech unicorns here. We're talking no, solid... No, we're talking a sewage facility. We're talking okay. solid yields. <laughs> we're talking about sewage facility. <laughs> uh, you know, I mean, our, 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 our uh, Peniel County uh, uh, green bond at Equilibrium that you, uh, that you mentioned, uh, it's not lost on Goldman Sachs. That was the bond um, uh, uh, underwriter that um, you can repeat the heck out of this. There's a lot right? of there's a lot of and, crap and out there. There's a lot of crap, <laughs> but, but but think about that. And we make fun of this, but everyone who's listening on this knows that uh, crap and urine off gases methane, and it's 10x carbon dioxide in terms of its greenhouse gas effects. Yes, and so what we're doing is we are processing methane. All right, and so you know, these are tangible, meaningful. Real projects. I think you're getting. Are you getting California carbon? Absolutely. Out of it? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And uh, which is another to your first point about climate action. The, yeah. the the rise of the carbon markets is actually happening. Even it is happening. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so I think that one of the most exciting things about this is we're going to see. I think correspondingly with the uh, the growth of infrastructure, the, the the idea of infrastructure is we're going to see continued growth of green bonds. And everyone forgets the power of debt and of the bond markets and of the credit markets. So green bonds are basically bonds. I think they're secured by generally the faith, full faith and credit of, of the, the entity that's issuing them. So they're not any more risky than a, a regular, quote, unquote, regular bond. But the proceeds are, have to be designated towards some green, uh, some green use. So Yeah, there's a, there's a whole green bond uh, standards. Uh, there's third-party authentication that you're actually making good on your green claims, and and they can be both corporate bonds, private bonds, project bonds, as well as governmental or, or governmental agency-oriented issued uh, uh, bonds. Now this is again this is one of these examples that we've tracked for a while and we've seen it double over you know year over yeah. year more or less, um, and gone from you know rel- you know early days to to, to significant market. However. As I think the numbers uh, for 2018 show it did not quite meet the possibly inflated expectations from a year earlier. Yeah. So it, they're subject, just like maybe because they are regular bonds, they're subject to, to, to the bond market. Um, okay. and, and, so, and so I guess one question for 2019 is, you know, wither the economy and what does that mean for all of this, of this, of this uh, uh, what we're talking about? Is that, are we going to get taken down by, the, by downdrafts? Generally, or or, or or are we going to be the the, the the beacon of stability in a volatile world? Well, as as the equity markets go into uh, uh, volatility or correction, and interest rates go up, you know the bond markets should recover nicely. Right. And green and bonds these, with that. And I think green, green bonds with that. And, and green bonds have have had a premium because people actually want them. They want them, and and so that's helped start the industry. Uh, I, I think another variation of this theme of, of infrastructure and of debt is that I think we're going to continue to see pressure on the big money center banks uh, this year about their use of, uh, of uh, uh, the availability of loans that they make to things like uh, coal fire power plants. 
and you can see the, the thrashing about that many of these banks are having at the policy level uh, about uh, how um, engaged they are with those kinds of, of loans. Meaning, versus, they're, meaning they're trying try to get out of them. Trying to get out of them or not make future ones. And, and I think you can see increased pressure on that. And that's a function of the same risk uh, issues and whatnot that you were talking about? I, I think it's both a risk, but it's also a, uh, the market is speaking in terms of consumer sentiment, but also uh, it's going to come out of some of the uh, large uh, pensions that hold uh, uh, these kinds of securities, the bank securities, bank stocks themselves. Uh, so you're going to see all sorts of feedback loops that, 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 that I don't think any of us have any idea how they're going to play out yet. But that in general, older technologies, dirtier technologies, may have a harder time raising capital, the newer, greener technologies have an easier time raising capital. That I think that's what's going to happen. Over time, that translates into cost of that capital and that further and, excess. And, and not just cost of capital, just plain old availability of the debt. Uh -huh, uh -huh, uh -huh. Okay, so these are all, those are those are three, they're all, they're all sort of in the similar direction. They're all tend around the environmental and sustainability thesis. What do you see on the more social equity uh, inclusion side. Is there any kind of similar step change in store for us in 2019? Yeah, I, I, I don't know that we're going to see. Um, I think social has always been a little bit more difficult, but one of the, the, the big uh, bright spots uh, I think that we're going to see almost on a global basis is uh, the, uh, and, and this goes to the issue of income uh, inequality, and that's the, uh, the, uh, the growth of workforce housing. Mm. And, uh, and subsidized housing, but both, and they're very different categories. People tend to lump them together, but workforce housing, in other words, um, uh, how does a fire person, a teacher, uh, live within their own community and afford on a $50,000, $60,000 uh, household income uh, to live within the community that they teach? And, uh, and inside of most urban centers in the United States, that's next to impossible. And, and so, uh, and, and I think that's generally true of most, uh, a, a lot of urban uh, um, uh, centers around the world. You're going to start to see the, the growth of, of that category. And, and last year, in 2018, uh, we saw the growth of a number and launch of a number of, of I would call institutional uh, driven uh, workforce housing uh, funds. I think that we're also going to see a number of what I would call um, subsidized uh, or concessionary capital driven uh, long-term uh, uh, affordable housing portfolios also being launched. So just again, to give us the, the, the sort of basic framing for a workforce housing or a, I think there's a, there's a great uh, acronym NOAA, Naturally Occurring Affordable Housing. Yes. Yeah. Um, which doesn't happen. Which doesn't happen, but, the, but the, the, the key is of course preserving what there is in, 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 in neighborhoods around, in the, around the world. Yeah. And, and, the, and the quick hit uh, pattern has been you buy up these, these, these old buildings that have some decent apartments in them and you turn them into luxury condos of some sort. And that's the usual pattern. And you're saying there's now a play that says keep them affordable. Um, there's, a, there's a strange uh, metric or, or, or indicator that um, actually affordable housing is about the most stable asset class in real estate, um, because once you get into a place you can afford, you're not gonna you're not gonna move out because there's nowhere to go. Most of them have two year waiting lists. Most of them have uh, tenant vacancies of less than a couple percent. 
uh, and uh, and uh, and so the reason that many pensions look at that is number one, it is uh, a unfortunately a uh, almost infinite market um, uh, that uh, has incredibly stable characteristics, and so they fit the idea of a core portfolio. And again, that infrastructure word, it's really stable, right? It's really long-term. And so the trade-off for returns is risk. Risk-adjusted risk. returns. Or risk versus returns, right? And, and so if I reduce the risk, I should legitimately, and I can, and I can show that reduction in risk, I should be uh, rewarded with a lower return, but it's also one that should have much lower volatility. So if what I hear you're saying is true, you're saying that the core holdings of these portfolios starts to become green infrastructure and affordable housing. I think um, there's going to be a large component that that's going to go that way, yeah. And that instead of these things being on the fringe and risky and volatile and whatnot, that in fact they're the stable assets and then and then lots of things that we might have thought of as stable are, you know, turn out to be somewhat riskier than we thought. I'll just point out that when we did the green bond this year, uh, we did not visit any specific impact bond portfolio. Not that I actually think any of them uh, exist. Uh, there was no impact investor that we visited. These were all straight up bond muni bond funds and bond, uh, you know, high quality uh, munis and high quality uh, bond portfolios. And, and they're all the name brands uh, that, 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 are, that are looking at these. And they don't send you down the hall anymore to the, to the CSR people or what have you. They're looking at these as, as straight up core, as you say, core, core yeah. portfolio holdings. Yeah, and, and, and the, the, the Goldman team that did this was not the Goldman Impact team. It was, um, it was their municipal bond shop. Okay, so 2019 forecast you got, you, I think we're at... Number we're, three. Oh, we're, at th we're only at three. We're, we're only at three. <laughs> we're having too much fun at this. Um, the impact world is going to go through retrenchment and a, and a reassessment of itself this year. All right. Another one. Uh, no, I, I think... A bigger one. Uh, no, I... The I, big one. I, the big one. <laughs> I, don't think, I don't think the impact world has gone through a reassessment. I think it's since the word impact investing was coined in Lake Como, I, I don't think it's really, it's, it's, it, I don't think it's gone through a readjustment or a reassessment of itself. We sometimes trot out the, the age old uh, hype cycle chart from, the tech, oh, sure. from tech days and, sure. and, and whether we've climbed the peak of inflated expectations or we're now in the trough of disillusionment, um, uh, there, there does seem to be various backlash sort of signals out there. Um, and is that what you're talking about? That, no, it's funny. I don't think that we have, uh, we certainly had high expectations, but I don't think we have the trough of disillusionment. I, I think that we're, we're uh, in the same, we're, we're in a position in the, uh, the impact world where uh, you're, you're looking inward and asking, what are we really, what are we really, where do we really belong? Uh, and, and if you're going to use that impact word, versus the last 15 minutes of us talking is all about major uh, infrastructure and, uh, and major programs and major allocations of capital. Uh, and, and I think that um, uh, in, in some ways, um, well, you and I talked about this, the, the GIN meeting that just took place in Paris. The GIN is the Global Impact Investing Network and they had their investor forum in Paris uh, towards the end of last year. Yeah, and I, and I think there was a lot of very, very sincere internal conversation, inward-looking introspection conversation that took place there about the role 
uh, what changes are taking place around them, and, and where does gin fit? Frankly, um, uh, the, uh, the... And gin is kind of, I think, in, in, in this com context, a, a stand-in for the sort of early movers in, in what, what was called you know, explicitly impact investing. They sort of came out of a, a Rockefeller Foundation kind of uh, a project about a, a decade ago, and, and, and a whole sort of set of institutions, including the gin, got formed out of that. And there's a, been a, a network of, of, of entities there that have sort of helped define impact investing. You're saying that conception is due for a, a reset. It is, I think. And I think that, that there are leaders in that sector and that movement that are uh, that are I think stepping up to to looking at that and, and so what's forward. what's you know I don't know if we're at 2.0 or 3.0 or 4.0 but what's the next what? I mean I, you know, I think that there's a classic market segmentation that's going to take place here and in some ways gin and again I'll proxy it right gin is going to decide whether it's um, uh, the place for revolutionaries to go or whether it's the place to mainstream and I think that that, that there's always that conflict you know, and, and again, I'm not picking on them specifically, but I pick on them as almost a, a catalyst or a canary in the coal mine of, of the broader discussion. In, in some ways, I think you see the same thing happening in SoCal. You know, uh, one, one way I think I've heard you put it is that all of the trends and all of the drivers and all of the changes that people have been uh, talking about, thinking about, working towards are going to happen, but many of the people in that self-identified impact world may or may not be part of that change because, as you said, the the, the pension funds are here, the, yeah. the sovereign wealth funds are here, the, the big the big private equity players, the the, the big infrastructure funds are, are here now, and so the, all those things get integrated into what what you're calling mainstream capital. I think so. I think so, and I and I think that in some ways. I look back at the, uh, the conference that took place in Chicago uh, a couple of years ago, maybe it was last year, it's all running together, but, um, which is the follow-on to the, the G20 effort. Mm. And, and I think back about two uh, speeches that were made or two uh, conversations that were had on stage, and in many ways I think they were both warnings and foreshadowings. Uh, one was David Blood uh, gave an incredibly, uh, I think he was given 30 minutes and I think he completed his talk in 10. And I, I truly, sincerely say this with the greatest of respect, I think that was the most power-packed 10 minutes of advice. Uh, and I'm not sure that it was... Just to, just to, to catch people up, David Blood of Generation Management, um, famously Blood and Gore with Al Gore, yeah. um, and Generation has, has pioneered a lot of these um, uh, strategies, yeah. both in public uh, equities, but also increasingly in private equities as Public well. Public equities, private equities, as well as private debt. Yeah. And, uh, and so they, there's no question about not only their performance success, but their ability to actually um, uh, create a position within this market that's, that's, that's incredibly uh, institutional and in, in many ways leading uh, the charge from the mainstream. And, and, and I don't know if it was on video, uh, but, but that was one of the most powerful 10 minutes. I, I think the other incredibly uh, meaningful uh, panel to me at that conference in Chicago was when the TPG Rise um, leadership, Bill McGlashan, mm -hmm, uh, led the dinner conversation uh, that night. And it was a serious foreshadowing of a chapter change that was taking place. And I don't think many people saw it that way. And just to, and just to put an exclamation point on that TPG Rise, had had raised had raised two two billion dollars mostly from institutional. There were some famous billionaire individual types, but actually, yeah. the vast bulk of it was was 
pension funds and, and, and institutional investors, and that was who they were trying to bring to the table. And now they've announced, or it's come to be known, that they're raising a $3.5 billion fund. So both of those kind of blow away in size the previous quote-unquote impact funds that have been raised. Yeah, there's no question about that. And, and so I think that the impact world is going to go through, as I said, a retrenchment and a reassessment in, in 2019. I, I think that uh, uh, the fourth thing that, that I think we're going to start to see in 2019 is the equivalent, uh, equivalent uh, 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 of the culture wars taking place in this very same uh, area. And that's the purists are going to, uh, to, to we're going to have a, a hugely active conversation about true green versus fake green. And True not, impact versus fake impact? Yeah. Impact and, washing and that whole discussion? There's that, but there's also going to be some really interesting conceptual arguments. And my favorite iconic argument that's going to be, uh, that, 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 that I'm looking forward to uh, hearing, is um, uh, quote, unquote, uh, sustainable mining. I'm going to use that as a proxy. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know, mining is evil. We're ripping up the earth. Yes, but many people that are listening love their cars. Uh, they may not love their cars the way that, that they used to, you know, 10 years ago, but they, they certainly love their iPhones, though. They drive their cars and they love their iPhones. And their iPhones have some rare earths and other things in them and, that uh, have to and, be and, mined and, from somewhere. And, and people love to talk about, well, the electrification, 3D printing. Yeah, but you're printing from something. Okay, and, uh, and, uh, and we're still very, very dependent on um, uh, being able to uh, extract. And so is sustainable mining fake green, or is it necessary to make it green? Well, I think there was a controversy a year or so ago about an oil company actually floating a green bond. Yes. And they were greening their oil facilities so that they used less energy and gave off less methane or what have it. And it was truly, you know, there was truly environmental impact in that green bond, but people sort of, sort of stuck in people's craw to have an oil company float a green bond. Yeah, it is. And, and so this is going to be a, a culture war uh, equivalent that will take place in 2019. And that's because I think we're going to see more and more of these kinds of corporatization and institutionalization of, again, what I talked about before, climate action, uh, infrastructure. And so we're going to see this. It's going to be, it's going to be interesting to watch. I think the culture war is, is, is on and, and it got... Um it keeps popping up in all sorts of ways, which I suppose is the definition of how a war works. So, for example, some of these so-called sustainable ETFs and index, fund, index funds, um, uh, there's a bunch that are marketed as fossil-free index funds. If you look at them, actually, they're not really fossil-free. Um, there's, a, there's a bunch of uh, gender equity funds um, that uh, we did some reporting last year. Um, they're not don't score so well on gender equity. <laughs> now, the way that if you if you dig in, there's a, you know there's sort of a methodological reason for it, and it's that oh we didn't uh, we we took the best in every category, and yeah. because of the reason for your portfolio managers who want to understand who want to have not have uh, tracking uh, uh, deviation from their benchmarks, yeah. they want to have be exposed in every sector. So therefore, for example, they're going to take the best. Of the oil companies, um, and 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 that will actually get you know screen out the bad actors, but you'll still have oil companies. So there still will yeah. be fossil fuels in there. There'll be the better fossil fuel companies. And but but I'm also a believer that competition will flush that out. Now that there's a lot of momentum and frankly money at stake, you're going to have consumer-driven or investor-driven transparency that will take place. So the kinds of things that you're pointing out will become very obvious. And so it's. 
self-corrective in some ways. So people can can get a marketing high, as you said, uh, a sugar fix from from the, from this green uh, label. But over time, the numbers will be what they are, and people will get savvier about uh, teasing those 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 performance results out. And, and and in fact, the better actors will be rewarded for for their better uh, performance on, on on environmental and, and social uh, metrics. And it'll be, uh, but there'll also be a huge part of the market of investors that just want good enough. You know, we, 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 we shouldn't confuse the first part of this trend, which is people like investors or, or, or individuals that care a lot. This next wave, we're going to see a lot of folks, I think, that enter this market as investors that want to put their capital in, in, in good enough. But it's, but it's good enough, good enough. I mean, just take it back to your uh, IPCC and, and yeah. climate reports. You know, good enough, you know, might, you know, marginally slow the, the, slow the descent to two degrees or, or two and a half or four degree scenario in the, in the climate case, but it won't turn around the, the whole battleship. Yeah, but, but I also look at, there's a, a pioneer in the, the, uh, the uh, sustainable or responsible mutual funds area that uh, frankly had gone into a decade of, of not being a leader. And within the last couple of years, uh, because of uh, being becoming part of a larger platform, uh, new leadership, uh, you're going to start to see them wake up. I mean, this is a twenty billion dollar size uh, uh, portfolio, uh, family of funds, and you know, frankly, they've been sleepy for a long time. And you're going to watch people like that wake up because the level of competition and what's expected in uh, in that not being uh, exposed or highlighted by folks like yourself. I mean, these are now going to be the new benchmarks, and it's just competition. And this is a firm that was probably you know, flatlined in terms of growth for, you know, frankly, a decade. And you're now starting to see them grow again. And on this sustainable and and uh, th thesis, yeah. yeah, 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 and 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 so that so, but, so, so, but it's so, heightened the competition, right? Because they can see, well, they can see the kinds of things that are being done these days by folks like you know Aperio and Parametrics and things like that, and and so the level of competition in this category, again, we've been talking about this. I, I think the bar has been raised because people are taking this seriously now. Okay, so it becomes core portfolio. Bar has been raised on on actual performance. Um, uh, it's it's it is the, the the growth opportunity for 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 fund managers and and, and whatnot. So therefore, everybody uh, moves in this direction that creates its own kind of momentum, as you say, competition, uh, raising the bar. I mean, it, it, and and you well, think well, twenty nineteen well, is the year with that, yeah. that really comes comes across. One, one of the largest uh, natural resource real assets investors platform. Uh, it's a, it's a, in our category, it'd be a household name. Um, uh, you know, they, they, uh, they've, they've spent a better part of last year uh, uh, thinking through how uh, sustainability weaves its way through their natural resource portfolio and how they should be thinking about positioning themselves. And that's not just marketing, but positioning themselves into the future. How these spell new income streams uh, for generating the, not so much fees, but the actual income that comes off of these portfolios for their investors, and, and how they should be rethinking uh, new products uh, that, that are on their platform. Uh, 
should that have happened years ago? Yeah, yeah. But 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 it's happening now. And I think nineteen we're gonna see and again, this is stuff that won't necessarily be captured in a lot of the data because they this organization would hardly be categorized as a you know impact investor or a sustainable finance player. They'd be categorized as just a plain vanilla real assets uh, leader. And uh, you're going to watch them, I think, uh, significantly uh, purpose themselves against, against these, these issues. Okay, so if I, if I recap, we've got four or five trends here, most of which are pointed towards dramatic growth and, and, and whatnot. But the, one of them, as you said, was, a, was the arrival of the, the good enough investors, um, mm -hmm. which is maybe a, the, your one kind of countervailing uh, no, I, I actually, I actually positive. Well, you're, 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 you're keen on the good enough investors. Yeah, yeah, this is this gets back to the culture wars. You don't really believe in being green, so you must be bad. Well, well, yeah, but okay, but I'm going to contribute to the effort. All right. Well, because I'm going to find because I'm going to find that saving energy saves me money, and yeah. and I don't care about green, but I do care about saving money. Sure. Yeah. But you're not you're not you're not sincere. Your intentions are not good. Well, yeah, but I'm helping. But you're not good. All right. well, well, yeah, but if it's going to be that we have to transform the entire lifestyle of our population, well, you know, we're going to get into these funny conversations. So you're saying the arrival of, good, of the good enough folks actually is, raises the boat too for the folks who are at the cutting edge, right? So that people are sort of filling in behind them with good enough funds. And that, therefore, that people who want to keep pushing the envelope will find the, the cutting-edge funds. And that's, yeah. that's, all, that's exactly how markets develop. Hey, look, you know, I joke about this, but, but, but the average person spends more time shopping for, uh, I don't know, the, their sweater online in comparison shopping their leisure wear than they spend on a yearly basis uh, making 401k decisions. So you, so you better have some some, some, so, better so, have some good enough alternatives for them. And, and, and so as holier than thou we'd like to be, most people make a 10-minute uh, retirement decision on their portfolio. All right? It's not a joke. You spend more time picking out something online. All right? You probably spend more time picking out your eggs than you pick out your, 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 uh, your funds for your retirement. And people are going to start looking at, well, geez, can I get some... Some things that I believe in. Can I get some sustainability? I, I think this climate change is real. Can I get something that's meaningful and real? Right. And and are, are you going to criticize me for making my 10-minute decision because I didn't spend two days or a seminar to, to make that decision? There's, there's going to be many, many shoes to fit here. And, and I think that... that, that um, and I think this year is one that I, that I have actually a high degree of of anticipation that 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 we're going to inflect on a number of fronts. Terrific. But let's just let's just. And then the last one. Oh wait, there's one more. Okay. There's one then more. I'm going to tick them down, and then I'll so then I'll no, no, test my one, memory. So give us the last one. Better be a good one. This is my uh, this is my uh, all right. So I'm going to be really snarky here. Okay. This is the uh, this is the time honored. I couldn't possibly invest in impact because there are no metrics. Mm. All right. I couldn't possibly do it. And frankly, I think that the issue of metrics has been used as an excuse not to invest by, by, um, by a lot of folks. Uh, oddly enough, uh, it has not been a barrier to implementation by a lot of institutions. All right? and, and I think that, that one of the things that, uh, and, and I'll, I'll, I'll give 
I'll give a lot of credit here to Bridgespan and to TPG and um, uh, for coming up with the impact um, returns model. Impact multiple of money. Yes. And, and just, to, uh, just to put a marker on that, it's, a, it's, it's in effect underwriting impact in the same way they might underwrite financial returns and saying that they're going to literally have a dollar value of impact, whether that's diabetes reduction or smallholder farmer income increase or tons of carbon averted and they're going to put a dollar value on it and they're going to deliver that value and it's going to be I think their their calculations at least two and a half dollars of, of impact value for dollar invested and this as imperfect as it is as approximation as it is um, you know I, I think these kinds of things are now finally coming to the forefront. For the last 10 years, we've had this cornucopia of what I call attributes. Uh, uh, can I create a, uh, whether it's the uh, uh, various uh, models and taxonomies that have been created, that have been attribute driven. How many blue trash cans do you have? Uh, do you have this program, that program? And I think that, that for them to get to the simplicity and spend the, 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 the effort over the last couple of years to get to this kind of a proxy um, and to convert it into an economic value, I think is going to get adoption. And whether it's that specific uh, formula uh, or whether it's going to be one that will be shaped from that, uh, this is a major inflection that's going to take place. So the difference is that you're saying it can no longer be an excuse not to invest. So that there's enough, there's enough out there now. Enough. Yeah, and, and, the, and the between, field has developed enough that that's that's now. Yeah, and, and I think serious, meaningful metrics and and uh, and dashboards, uh, SASB. Uh, I think we're going to see a turn of TCFD to make it usable in 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 turning a set of. Of requirements then into a, a, a thing that's reasonably similar. You love you love these acronyms. TCFD is uh, Task Force on Climate. Actually, TFCD, Task Force on Climate Related Disclosures. Thank you. Um, the effort by Michael Bloomberg and yeah. also uh, Mark Carney at the yeah. um, Bank of England yeah. um, to basically set up a set of recommendations yeah. for companies to, to to tackle the accounting of their yeah. climate risk, yeah. which drives all sorts, as you mentioned about risk, that drives all sorts of decisions if you actually take it into account. Yeah, and, and I think there's there's a few others that, 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 that are coming to the fore that are already in some way standardized, like Gresby. Uh, don't <laughs> do, not, do not ask Green me. real estate yes. standards. Yes, yes. Um, and, uh, and, uh, and so I think that, that increasingly in this year, and I do think that the TPG uh, model is going to have a profound sort of step function in, 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 in helping people uh, get beyond this whole metric. So I ask you to end with a zinger and you end with impact measurement. <laughs> and, I end, and I end with it because, because all right, so, 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 so here's, my, here's my ultimate snark, okay? So if you ever want to like uh, 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 derail a strategy meeting, all right, you profoundly stroke your chin and you put your glasses on the table and you say something like, but who's our market and customer, really? All right, and that 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 that'll tailspin your offsite for you know two three hours, okay? <laughs> and 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 the equivalent of that in the impact space is, but what's the metric, okay? And that tailspins the conversation. The panel goes off, you know, on 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 a, on 
on this issue and there's this rabid debate and you know and 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 then everyone throws their arms up and says there are no metrics so the whole thing collapses and we can't do anything which is unadulterated bs and i think that this year we will get beyond the but stroking the chin now but if there were only metrics we would deploy capital so I, I, that's why I think it's 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 the last one on my list, and it's uh, and it is full of a little snark, but it's also I think one that 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 needs to be put to bed. It's kind of in the general category of no more excuses. Yeah. Time to time to time to move. Yeah. Yeah. Which is I think is a 2019 feeling that's in the air. So thank you, Dave Chen. Pleasure as always. Thank you. See you soon. That's going to do it for this special institutional shift episode of Returns on Investment. Thanks to Dave Chen of Equilibrium Capital and David Bank of Impact Alpha for that great conversation. Special thanks, as always, to our technical producer, Isaac Silk. This podcast has been a production of Impact Alpha, providing news and insights for those working to build an inclusive and prosperous future. Find us at impactalpha.com and on Twitter at Impact Alpha. If you like this podcast, consider telling just two other people about it. You can also leave a rating and review at Apple Podcasts. If you don't like this podcast, maybe keep it to yourself just kidding. We love feedback. Drop us an email at editor at impactalpha.com. From New York, I'm Brian Walsh. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you in some sense of the word next time.